0: In this roundtable discussion, my sister and I are going to be talking about the Rush Hour films. And what this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion, first off. Oh, yes. But what uh, encouraged us to do this is they're starting a Rush Hour TV show. On CBS. On CBS. And the Rush Hour film, the first one that we just finished watching, was from 1998. Mm -hmm. So it's been a few years. Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan. And it's pretty much, I think, exactly what you ought to expect out of this. It's somewhere pretty much smack dab between a Hong Kong Jackie Chan film Mm -hmm. and, say, Beverly Hills Cop.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, they now have a rom-com, romantic comedy, and a bromance. Yeah. And I'm not sure what in that comedy action, what, what, you know, catchphrase people are using for that. But I would put it in that comedy action category
0: well absolutely because obviously jackie chan predominantly brings the action and chris tucker predominantly brings the comedy but there's still parts where both of them kind of do the other thing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: more jackie chan with a little bit of the comedy because again he's well known for that yeah most of his films have a definite sense of humor about them as well as just an insane level of i don't see Stunts because it's not quite right, but but there's a
1: physicality.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely a physicality. There is a uh, a choreography and an almost impromptu, uh, improvisational fighting style.
1: Well, and there were one or two scenes in this where you saw that Chris Tucker, whether or not he's a martial artist or a fighter, has that physicality and that choreography skill.
0: He was able to hold his own in some of the fight sequences. Although he was predominantly kind of scurrying off to the side in a few of them.
1: And irritating as all get up doing it.
0: But the one like in the restaurant scene where the gun's going back and forth and all of that kind of stuff. You know, he was an active participant in that. Most definitely. And I had obviously originally seen this back when it first came out. Had picked up the DVD long ago. And in addition to watching the film, I watched it with the commentary track. mm and commentary tracks can vary between why did they bother to this was really good this was on the this was really good as i recall having watched it 15 close to 20 years ago now mm. because brett ratner's um commentary was yeah we were going to do this and that but you know we had to do this because of the insurance thing jackie wanted to do that and very kind of insightful as to the actual production process.
1: Well, there are moments where Jackie Chan does basically a somersault across the top of a taxi that ends with him rolling off the edge of the taxi and into the taxi through the window.
0: Those are the kinds of moves of Jackie Chan's that just blow me away. There was one where he's uh, at the the opening sequence. He's on the boat. The door is opening in front of him he basically kind of reaches up to the the top of the deck above him and kind of swings in through the porthole or whatever all while the door is opening and when it closes he's gone mm-hmm. and just the way he just moves almost not I don't say ninja like but there's a fluidity there's a a, a grace a, a almost circus acrobat aspect to it at times yeah and some of them where he's just like bouncing between a couple of walls, and he's scurrying up the side of a building or something. Yeah. And there was a lot of that sort of a thing in this movie, but there are other films that I would point to as kind of, no, no, that's what you want to see for for those things. Mm -hmm. Because any American-made film, there are limits as to what they'll let him do.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And those limits are way lower than what he will actually do. Yeah. And the guy is just amazing.
1: Well, and- you know, what was uh, Bob Newhart's line back when he was on the Dean Martin show? You know, I'd give anything for a straight man who can keep a straight face. hmm You know, he is the guy who can keep a straight face when Chris Tucker just starts going
0: off. Well, and I think that had to be a challenging aspect for Jackie Chan on this. Working with somebody like Chris Tucker, who speaks really fast,
1: mm-hmm.
0: improvs, and ad-libs a lot. Mm-hmm. And just every time you do a scene, you have no idea what you're going to get out of him.
1: Yeah. And Jackie Chan is doing this in what is not his first language. I don't know if it's his second or more, but...
0: I'm not sure about that. At one point, I might have known. I think this was the first US release from what we were seeing on the Mm -hmm. IMDb page, where Jackie did his own English you know, live or whatever. Uh, Typically, in a lot of his other films, he would have it dubbed over and... You know his English is uh, far from fluent, but it's it's reasonably good. Mm-hmm. Way better than my Chinese would ever be. Yeah, and well, and
1: just to that point, I know some people who, the moment the story is over and they know the credits are starting to run, they stop the movie because well, it's over. This is one where if you watch it, let those credits roll, watch the outtakes; they're priceless.
0: Well, they took that from uh, from Jackie Chan films which in turn took it from, I believe, Burt Reynolds' films.
1: Ah, uh, the Specifically Specifically,
0: uh, Cannonball Run. Yeah,
1: the Cannonball movie. That yeah. Jackie
0: was in. He's like, ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, because Jackie picks stuff up from, you know, whatever he can. Mm-hmm. Um, But having to do a movie, you know, where there's a lot of action, a lot of dialogue, and again, working with somebody like Chris Tucker, who's just a very energetic guy, and even just as a native English speaker, there a couple of times I found Chris Tucker harder to understand than Jackie Chan, mm. just because of how fast he was talking and and uh, the the dialect, I guess would be the way to put it.
1: And well, stuff. and he's his mind is going am mile a minute, and somehow his mouth is keeping up
0: with that. Well, and it was clear from one of the outtakes uh, he didn't know uh, Chelsea Clinton, her name, daughter of yeah the the Clintons um former president clinton and who knows maybe future president yes,
1: Clinton. <laughs> yes um
0: so he kept getting he kept getting tripped up by that at one point he's like who do you think you got chelsea grammar you know <laughs> yes and it's like he's 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 firing so fast he's just off a little sometimes
1: yeah yeah
0: but i thought it was a good film i thought it was a fun film to me it's kind of a uh, action roller coaster ride kind of a film hmm It's got more than enough plot to, to hold it all together. Yeah. There's nothing in the plot where it's like, jeez, you've got to be kidding me. But it's also not the kind of film you go to for plot. True. You I'm... want action, you want comedy, you want, you know, fun characters, and they deliver.
1: I thought the little girl did great with the parts she had.
0: The daughter of the console who gets kidnapped doesn't have a lot of screen time, but uses it well. yeah. When we first get the relationship between her character and Jackie Chan's character, uh, D- uh, Inspector Detective Lee, it's very clear they know each other. he's been training her there's why mm-hmm. aren't you coming to America with me? I mean there's a definite relationship there. yeah. she gets grabbed when she's in the car before getting grabbed.
1: Well, and he had told her to keep practicing her kicks and her eye gouges.
0: Yes well, and again, training and yeah, you know there, there was a, th- that was both funny. And exposition dialogue that we, we needed. Yeah. But when she's in the car and she's being driven to, to school or wherever, singing along to what was it, Mariah Carey or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, she was it was funny.
1: Yes, yes.
0: You know, particularly the drivers just looking at each other with the the other bodyguard or whatever. Oh my god, we've got to put up with this again.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, but it was it was cute, it worked. Mm-hmm. And then when she was actually getting grabbed, she fought back, she did just an excellent job there. Yeah. And then when we later get her in the bomb uh, vest or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the way she interacts with Chris Tucker and everything else, really well done. Yeah. I mean, she nailed the role. Um, Again, probably has maybe 10 minutes total screen time. But she is kind of the MacGuffin of the film. She's been captured. We've got to get her back. Yeah. You know, so that, that worked out well uh, in terms of good casting. Um, again, Jackie Chan, if you're going to have an action film, you can't go wrong with him. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tucker, I think, just did a brilliant role on this. According to the IMDb page, um, the part was offered to Eddie Murphy. mm mm-hmm. I think Eddie Murphy would have done a fantastic job with it, but having done Beverly Hills Cop,
1: Yeah, it yeah. it would have
0: been hard not to compare this to that. Agreed. Whereas with Chris Tucker, most uh, really the only other thing I'm really familiar with him in is uh, Fifth Element. Mm. He's done some other stuff, but I haven't caught those films yet. I may have a few of them, I'm not sure. But he is entertaining, he's definitely larger than life in terms of his character and whatnot. And to have kind of the reserved Jackie Chan, almost the introvert or whatever, and the, the incredibly extrovert, you know... uh james carter character there uh was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and it gives good counterpoints and just how each of them kind of at times can't understand the other one and how basically carter just will mess stuff up and just not take the, the the blame for it at all
1: well but both of them seem to even before they find their chemistry and before they figure out how to get along They each seem to understand the other is a good cop in their
0: environment. Well, both of them are in a situation where they they know about the case, they want to help the case, and are kind of getting sidelined.
1: Yeah, but they can respect one another as cops, even before they get to know one another as people. Yes. And I found that fascinating.
0: Well, and my interpretation of the film is that while Carter was a good cop, he was a little bit of an action junkie, mm-hmm. w- but by the end of the film, he was actually doing it for the right reasons. It's not about me; it's about the kid. Those sorts of lines. Yeah. Um, the use of the bomb squad, uh, lady, um, was good. Was mm-hmm. entertaining. She almost seemed like the we've got to have why he do- he doesn't have a partner and you know kind of the other cop at the precinct he knows or whatever. So it was one of those where it was a little bit of a Purely functional role, mm-hmm. but Elizabeth Anya did a good job with it. Was entertaining, and it didn't feel like, well, of course, she knows somebody the bomb squad when they need somebody at the end. Mm-hmm. They built it up well enough because mm-hmm. it's not like she's an expert in the bomb squad. She's still going through the training. Yeah, you know, and given that the person um, Carter was after at the beginning was carting around C four, it made sense. Yeah. So, there was enough logic to the film, enough continuity, enough, you know, of a through line that I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Because I've got a, a fairly sizable collection of Jackie Chan films, and the only plot I need in most of those is he wakes up one morning, he gets into a fight, something moves him to the next fight, to the next fight, the next fight, the next fight, and he goes to bed. Yeah. That's enough plot for me. They usually have more than that. Yeah. Not a lot more sometimes. But it's just, you know, 90 minutes of nonstop action in some cases. Mm-hmm. Others, you know, he's actually proven he's a very capable actor um, with a lot more plot, a lot more comedy, and some of that stuff. Um, I've got, what is it, 1911 or whatever?
1: I want to watch that one.
0: I'm That's, very curious. Uh, I believe one of Jackie Chan's kind of non action films. hmm. And again, um, I've been following Jackie Chan's stuff since I first encountered his films in Rumble in the Bronx.
1: Well, in Rush Hour, I mean, as much as we're saying we decided to rewatch these movies because a TV show is coming out based on them, this isn't the first time a TV show has come out because people saw this and said, hey, that could work on TV.
0: Well, right, because Martial Law came out shortly after this film. Mm-hmm. with Sammo Hung which is somebody that Jackie Chan has worked quite a bit with. Mm-hmm. He was uh, both of them were part of the uh, was it the Seven Brothers or whatever. Um there's the Lucky Stars series of Hong Kong films that they were in. Um and there's oh shoot um like five or six other guys that all kind of went through the the same, you know, uh, uh career path if you will. And Career path's not quite the right way to say it they essentially were all raised together. I don't remember if it was an orphanage or whatever, but it was basically learn to fight, learn to act, do all this kind of stuff. And, you know, most of them have had just incredible careers, at least in Hong Kong. Um, Jackie Chan, of course, international superstar. Mm-hmm. Sam Hung has done, did pretty well around, you know, the late 90s and stuff here in the States, but mm-hmm. has kind of faded back into more um, action choreography, directing things of that sort.
1: Well, and in martial law, he was very well paired with Arsenio Hall.
0: Well, and again, it's the same kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Get a good black comedian, a good Asian martial artist. Mm -hmm. Now, the twist there is while Arsenio Hall was not as gregarious as Chris Tucker is here, um, Samuel Hung, not a small guy. True. He's very large, but that's kind of his iconic thing. Mm -hmm. He's the fat martial artist.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and Arsenio was coming off of the Arsenio Hall show. Yeah. At that point. Had a huge following and Arsenio is just a very talented comedian.
0: And I really enjoyed the martial law TV yeah. show. Yeah. Now, with Rush Hour, part of why I wanted to rewatch these films is the uh the trailer I've seen for the upcoming T V show seems like they're almost recreating this first movie as the pilot.
1: Interesting. I I liked the plot of this movie. I like how it brought them together. Mm -hmm. I liked a lot of things about it. Quite frankly, I liked that it ended with um, Detective Lee, with Jackie Chan, taking Chris Tucker's character, Carter, back to Hong Kong with him on vacation.
0: It sets up the possibility of a sequel with the other fish being out of water, if you will.
1: It does, but it also establishes that a genuine bond and friendship was formed.
0: It's not just, hey, I've worked with you, I'm leaving. Yeah. It's, we connected. Yeah. You know, and I think the two actors did connect.
1: Oh, that was one of the things I really loved about the outtakes.
0: Yeah, because in the the plane at the end.
1: <laughs> that was priceless.
0: Chris Tucker says, just a line or two in Chinese. And there were a couple of places where they're doing some callbacks. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, um, Jackie Chan doesn't say anything when Chris Tucker's like, you know, do you speak English? Um, And then later, well, you just assumed I I didn't because I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's a you speak Chinese. Well, you just assumed I didn't because I, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I thought was a a fun line, but doesn't ring true to the plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think there were a couple of times that if Tucker really spoke Chinese, one or two of the scenes should have played a little differently. Yeah, But there was also the one line that I think was another, they tried to do a callback of almost trying to have, not a catchphrase, but a witty line. When Tucker has been beaten up in the restaurant, and um, the one guy, um, Ken uh, Leong or whatever, yeah, That was in Lost, in just like a bazillion things we've seen him in. Mm -hmm. Zero Hour, I forget what else. Anyways, he basically throws a a, a handkerchief to him. Wipe yourself off, you're bleeding. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, he's been shot and Chris Tucker tosses the thing. Wipe yourself off, you're dead.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, ah. Yeah. Well, and that. Well, given how much improv there was, I don't know for sure. But that felt like a writing attempt to call back that didn't work.
0: Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I took it as.
1: Um, but what frustrated me in that scene, actually, more than that, was I wanted the camera to then go to the FBI agent who was laying on the floor shot and hadn't been able to get his gun out to help Carter. Mm-hmm. Because that FBI agent had spent the whole movie trying to convince Carter, we don't need you. You're worthless, et cetera.
0: Yeah, he'd been really hard on Carter.
1: And a reaction shot on the on the FBI agent at that point would have been nice. What they did at the airport with the two FBI agents, to me, was less powerful.
0: It than- would have been nice, particularly in terms of if, if there had been some kind of exchange there mm-hmm. of, you know, hey, thanks. Yeah, I, I could make a shot like that, blindfolded kind of a thing and have tucker basically say he's like one of the top rated or whatever yeah uh, of course that would have flown in the face of the earlier scene where he's shooting the car full of c4 and he's shooting a few other th- you know what i mean
1: well but he did have quite a uh, explosive successful reaction to shooting the car with the c4
0: yeah so. there there was a possibility of a good moment there i'm not sure exactly what it would have been between yeah. The lead FBI guy in, in Carter. I also wish when Carter had first seen the girl pull the hood off, he'd said that he was with Lee.
1: Yes, yes. I did love him plowing the van in and then getting out with her in the bomb vest yeah. and challenging Juntao.
0: Yeah, Carter has no problem with property destruction. Yeah.
1: Well, that, but also the, okay, I brought your bomb vest to you. Detonate it. And I love the little girl's reaction. She's well, like, it. play
0: along, and she does.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, she nailed that scene too.
1: She did. She did.
0: Now, the question I have about the T V series is one, how much familiar ground ground are they gonna retread? But are they gonna get somebody who is as good of a martial artist mm. to hold up to what Jackie Chan has set up here? And are they going to get somebody as Carter that is as entertaining? And are they going to have the chemistry?
1: I think there are really two things to kind of judge the martial artist by. Because when we watch TV shows, I see a lot of guys who can do the fight scenes, can do the kicking, the mm-hmm. etc. But it's really rare to see one that can do the somersault across the taxi and then slide in the window.
0: To me, that's the more signature Jackie Chan aspect.
1: But I'm just wondering, can they find a guy that can defy gravity?
0: I think they can, because I've seen other uh, stunt choreographers, other stunt people, do things that I've considered very much in the Jackie Chan school of fight choreography. Okay. Um, uh, Ko- Koichi Samako, I think is his name, was the fight choreographer for like the first 18 years or whatever, of Power Rangers? Mm. And he's done a couple of other films and whatnot, and very much uh, when he's able to kind of c- cut loose or whatever and do what he wants, uh, the fight scenes very much remind me of a good Jackie Chan fight scene. Very cool. They've got kind of the, oh, this is here, let me use this kind of a thing, the the tumbling, the the using of the environment, mm-hmm. and-
1: And that's another good call, the using of the environment. In yeah. this film- uh, there was one scene where I actually called out to you, I, I almost dread but want to see the outtakes, and it was that uh, scene above the restaurant where he was using the chair as yeah. uh, one of the props in the fight, and they did have an outtake from that, where he slammed down into the chair just wrong, mm-hmm. and when he popped back out, it looked like he'd hurt his tailbone.
0: Yeah, I don't think Jackie Chan makes it out of a film in quite the same condition he unscathed. went in. Unscathed. He said a couple of times he's finished films with a broken leg mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, there
1: were one or two scenes where he did, you know, jumps. He and uh, Chris Tucker did a jump together. And I'm looking at it going, how do they not break their legs? I mean, I know intellectually there are frequently uh, mattresses and mats hidden for them to land on.
0: To In American s- films, sure.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Jackie Chan's a Hong Kong stunt guy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And just at the beginning, when he was jumping off from a upper part of a boat or whatever down to the dock or something, 15, 20-foot kind of a drop, he does it without breaking a sweat.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: I think somewhere I've got Jackie Chan, My Stunts, My Story, My Life or something like that, three different DVDs. And the one on the stunt process is fascinating because we get aspects of it in some of the outtakes during the credits. But for some of the things where it's like, how on earth does he, you know, uh, dodge that attack and just kind of fling the thing right back in the guy's face?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in some cases, you do 30, 40, 50, 160 takes. Yeah. Until you get just the one you want. Yeah. Um, and I believe there's a special feature on the DVD for the fight sequence above in the restaurant. Mm. And it's very much, okay, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then, you know. Yeah. And they're just building the fight scene kind of as they go. And it's a very interactive uh, experience in terms of the director, the director of photography, Jackie, the stunt team, all of them kind of working together of, hey, this might be cool. What about this? hmm And they know kind of how they enter the room and then that they've got to leave the room and maybe not even the specifics on how they leave the room
1: well after but they
0: can get from point A to yeah, point B
1: after the building exploded that mm-hmm. the FBI agents were in and they went chasing after uh the bad guy you know Jackie Chan bounces off the side of a building to get to the ladder to do his climbing up and stuff and he lowers a ladder a little bit before he continues the chase to help Carter with it and they cut to Carter down on the ground bouncing up and down and my first thought was, isn't the title of that other movie, White Men Can't Jump?
0: Well, what I like is then you hear, it's like, who do you think I am, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Yes. You know, you get a couple of those lines and then eventually. Yes. And what I loved about that sequence is Jackie Chan is in the lead of the chase going after the guy and dealing with all of the problems, the, the axe getting thrown, fighting, you know. And then Carter is always coming right as that's ending up, so they can kind of move to the next part of the fight or whatever,
1: yes, yes,
0: you know it's it's like uh he's missing all the fun stuff or something, yes, but it's again it's it's a fun series of movies, uh, this of course started it well enough that it's yes, I want to see more
1: exactly, and yes. we've
0: got the other two and stuff, but it's one of those things that, as much as I love Jackie's American work, his Hong Kong stuff just blows me out of the water at times. Yeah, and at some point we may go do uh, a string of, you know, those movies and stuff as a an episode or a sequence of episodes. Mm-hmm. First Strike, Rumble in the Bronx. There are a couple, uh, one or two he made more recently, Chinese Zodiac, where just some of the stunts and. The fluidity of the the movement and the the just the cinematography, even sometimes, mm-hmm. because I mean Jackie Chan knows how to how to put a movie together, stem to stern. Yeah, I mean, there's no two ways about it. And he's done a few American films prior to this. Um, the Protector with Danny Aiello is one mm. that he had done. Uh, I'm gonna say mid '80s, maybe. Hmm. And he was really good in it. It was a fun film. Mm -hmm. But he was also, I think, dissatisfied enough with it that there is a Hong Kong cut. Yeah. You know, because in the American one, somebody comes at him with a chainsaw from about six feet away.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he's like, I can't show this to my audience. Yeah. You know, so it gets recut and suddenly it's, you know, almost touching him kind of a thing. Yeah. And I don't expect... That level of Jackie Chan action and stuff in a TV series, agreed. Although Martial Law showed a lot of that can be done, yeah. But I expect to have enough of it to feel like it's kind of permeating mm-hmm. the show and the series. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, but if we get a good police procedural with some really funny stuff, a la the Carter character, and some amazing you know stunt and action sequences from the the Lee character, I'll be happy.
1: Well. Mm-hmm. I mean this film is 18 years old and it stands up
0: well. For the most part. The really huge phones. Oh yes, okay. There were a couple of times when somebody would pull out a clearly antiquated cell phone. Yeah. It's like just just how old is this film again? Yeah. But there, really aside from that,
1: there are a few things that date it, but in general, it it stands the test of time. There's nothing that you look at and you go oh, my God, I'm embarrassed to be watching this, or it's not as funny as I remember
0: it being. No, I agree with that entirely. And really, it's just the telecommunication stuff that kind of dates it, just like the original Lethal Weapon and a few things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, in that film, when Mel Gibson, is, is uh, his character gets out, no, it's it's Danny Glover's character that gets out to call back because uh, Gibson's character's clearly nuts, and he's got his cellular phone with this huge battery pack and the handset kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, versus today we've got smartphones and things that yeah are a fraction of the size and infinitely more powerful. But there was nothing else in this. There was an aspect of the cinematography that if if I had realized, it, you know, if it had been from the 80s, it's like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Mm. It, it felt older school. Mm-hmm cinematography. Uh again we've got these on DVD. I don't know if a Blu-ray cut would have made it pop a little bit more maybe. Mm, that could be. But um you know the the cars and a few things. It doesn't feel like it's a contemporary film, but it doesn't feel like it's an antiquated film. Yeah. And certainly it falls very well within the the niche of of Jackie jan films. Mm-hmm. And again, Chris Tucker is just a blast to watch. Definitely. I still think Fifth Element is Chris Tucker's high point. He had just a a more outrageous character there. Yeah. And just, he's got the energy for it. Yes. So, again, I really enjoyed this. I'm curious how much of this first one is going to get reused in the pilot Mm -hmm. uh, for the Rush Hour TV series. And I'm trying to remember what the basic plot was for the other two films we're going to watch.
1: I don't recall.
0: Because I don't either. A lot of what I remembered was from this film. hmm Because, again, it started the franchise. It's fairly iconic. Yeah. So anything else on this film? Don't think so. All right. We have just finished watching Rush Hour 2. Once again, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker. Go mm-hmm. figure. They stick with a winning combination.
1: Though, as they point out in the outtakes... When someone dies, and I guess Chris Tucker couldn't remember his line, he looks out and says, well, he won't be in Rush Hour
0: 3. Yeah, it was after the guy falls to his death <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I think there are a lot of times where uh, Chris Tucker seems to uh, ad-lib because he can't remember the lines. I like the bit at the uh, in the end credits where the gefilte fish about the kosher meal. Mm-hmm. It's like the, they have to tell him, Half a dozen times, at least, just mm-hmm. on the footage we saw, well, the I, name of the fish.
1: And I think some of it is he's so good at the ad-libs and the improvisation that the lines he has to get, for some reason, almost frustrate him.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. some he can remember, some he can't, but he's very much in character. Mm-hmm. So the most of the ad-libs seem to really work. There were a few times, again, in the end credits where he was referring to Jackie as Jackie versus Inspector Lee. Yes. And-
1: Well, and there was one point where one of the other actors was basically yelling at him. Don Cheadle. Yes.
0: And he had taken- Don Cheadle had taken the role with basically two conditions. He speak Chinese to Jackie, and he pick a fight with Jackie.
1: Yeah, which is- It was a great scene.
0: Oh, and he did awesome with it. Yeah, he did. Um- This is one where it's a sequel, okay, know that going in, but the plot very much feels very sequel-y.
1: In some respects, yes, and they do some things that you expect from a sequel, like you predicted at the end of the previous movie, because of how it ended, we've reversed, who is the fish out of water?
0: Well, a lot of it was uh, obvious reversals, the fish Mm -hmm. out of water obvious similarities Mm -hmm. you know we got the massage parlor scene that felt very much like the restaurant scene for the fight for the fight scene yeah okay we got the uh casino scene with the bomb which was uh, very analogous to the expo scene with the Mm. bomb i mean the bomb plays out differently there's definitely some different aspects Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of story beats that felt very similar, I mean, the whole bit at the beginning where Jackie is doing mission or doing his his uh, taking cases and stuff, and kind of not telling uh, Chris Tucker's character mm-hmm. was an exact reversal of the beginning of the last movie, Yes, oh, they're going to be working for the Secret Service versus the FBI. Mm-hmm.
1: one of the things that was a reversal that I thought played very well was when uh, Chris Tucker is. Basically informed, you're going to the airport now. You're leaving Hong Mm -hmm. Kong now. And Jackie says, you know, I'll be the one to take him. Kind of the, I'm the one who ruined his vacation. The least I can do is see him off. You know, and they get to the airport and Chris Tucker's character Carter is like, so are you getting on the plane with me or not? As opposed to in the previous movie where Carter knows the inspector Lee is on the plane and he goes and gets him off the plane. Right.
0: Again, parallel but reversal kind mm-hmm. of a thing. There were a couple of lines of dialogue, you know, don't t- touch a Chinese man's CD versus a black man's radio, mm-hmm. parallels like that. And I expect some of that in a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it was a very entertaining sequel, good action, good comedy. If I were looking at it from just a strictly plot point of view, it wouldn't really win too many high marks on that. Because it just seemed a little formulaic, a little paint-by-numbers. But
1: again, I don't think either of these
0: movies is one you go to first choice for plot. Absolutely not. Which is why I'm okay with it having a plot that's somewhat formulaic, Mm -hmm. somewhat by-the-numbers, somewhat sequely, because all I need is enough of a plot to hang together, be entertaining, make sense, Mm -hmm. and string together some good comedy and action, which it does.
1: Yeah, it does
0: you know there are a few cases where there're some movies that manage to do all of that and have a really good plot mm. but it's hard for something to kind of fire on all cylinders
1: yeah i mean this had some of those great Jackie Chan scenes like uh and i appreciate they're doing the outtakes for it the bit where he's in uh, the cashier area yeah, of the and, casino
0: and like dives through the the little part of the cage uh You know, where you would pass the money through.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's just amazing to me.
0: Well, again, the fluidity of his movement, um, the acrobaticness, which I thought was well shown in the massage scene, where he's like, okay, flip me, and he bounces up and stuff. And he had to do that a couple of times.
1: Yeah. Well, I really think Chris Tucker must have worked pretty hard to prep for that massage parlor scene.
0: Absolutely. He did an amazing job there. Mm -hmm. And was very much kind of holding his own along with Jackie.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's one point where he realizes Jackie Chan is going to flip him over a chair and get him back on his feet. And he's like, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. And then Jackie does it. And he lands on his feet. And he's like, oh, okay, I did.
0: <laughs> well, I think there was a chair kind of supporting him or whatever. And it's a, I, – I, I've got to imagine they had a fun time filming all of that. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. How about we do this and and Chris would be oh no you know yeah. it's like oh but if we do this oh you know
1: well and there was one scene at the uh, casino where Rosalind and I forget the Chinese actress but the two of them are fighting while Jackie's fighting several men and there were a few moves where it just felt like I bet Jackie was the one who suggested like their high heels
0: yeah I love lock. That. yeah it's it's one of those where. And I forget her name. She was in um, uh, Crouching Tiger or uh, Hidden Dragon Hidden, Hidden Dragon, and House of the Flying Daggers, I think. So the, the The Chinese actress is fairly well known. When she was doing this, she knew very little, if any, English. So a lot of it had to be done through translation and stuff, just telling her you know, what to do or whatever. She did a great job. She's really good with the action scenes. Mm-hmm. So Rosalind Sanchez being able to hold her own there, I thought was really impressive. Yeah. You know, um, but she had been already shown doing the high kicks and some stuff like that, just the flexibility. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, again, there was a sense of of fun uh, with the fight scenes, you know, when she's down at the base of the casino on the the floor about to fight uh, Chris Tucker's character. Yes. And she picks up the thing, does the the movement, and just to get her hair out of the way.
1: That cracked me up. Yeah. Especially since at first it looked slightly like a weapon, and then she does that, and I'm like, "How much hair did she just break?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Rosalind Sanchez's character was also very analogous to um the the bomb squad yes. person from the last one, um uh, uh, Elizabeth Pena. Yeah. Um, different character, but same function in the plot. Mm-hmm. But both of them added a lot to it. And here, it's a uh, which side is she on? Yes. I also felt that Alan King's character of the 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 rich white real estate mogul or whatever was kind of analogous to uh, the Jon Tao character from the previous film. Yeah, different. You know, it's not just a, a exact copy, but fit the same role in the plot but in a different way
1: well and chris tucker's character carter had some very interesting responses to that one in terms of it wasn't just follow the money it was follow the rich white guy who doesn't react the way you expect him to react in that situation
0: yeah it's not just that he's rich it's that he wasn't the least bit worried when there was gunfire and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. he knew it was coming yeah something is up with him and it shows carter Mm -hmm. As a good detective. Yeah. You know, he may uh, play things for laughs, whatever, but, you know, he is a a police officer with a a decent, you know, record, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, you know, more on the property damage than anything else, (laughs) but- uh, Yeah. Because they left a trail of destruction behind them.
1: Well, and uh, one of the things that really cracked me up, um, almost in the category of who's on first-
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who died? You. you. Inspector, you. <laughs> they do some fun stuff playing kind of with the language barrier or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, well, I loved it when uh, Jackie Chan's character Lee took a phone call and Chris Tucker's character Carter has finally decided to admit he was just faking it with the Chinese on the airplane. And he's got the uh, translation dictionary in his hand. So he's trying to follow along in the dictionary to figure out what the phone call is.
0: Yeah, I thought that was good. What I thought was interesting was when they wind up back at the police station in Hong Kong. And they're getting dressed because yes. they arrived there sans clothes. There's like this whole closet full of stuff for Carter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like uh, Lee has been doing so much work while Carter's there on vacation that they've basically been living out of Lee's office.
0: It was either that or it was Lee's stuff that Carter was borrowing, but it didn't seem but the that the pants
1: way. wouldn't fit.
0: Yeah. Which but is- he also then wound up getting a new suit shortly thereafter.
1: Oh, and that was hilarious too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, they did some some good fish-out-of-water stuff with Carter and whatnot. Um, some of the action sequences in this were just incredible. mm mm-hmm. uh, Very classic uh, Jackie Chan and stuff. Again, um, the way some of these other actors were able to, to partake in that. hmm I mean, to me, that's one of the things that makes Jackie's stunt team just so incredible, is not only can you have just an insane fight sequence- with Jackie and some of his, his uh, co-workers on the stunt team and stuff. But when they can incorporate other actors yeah. into it and make them look like just incredible fighters.
1: Well, and honestly, I think that's why I appreciate the outtakes for the fight scene so much. Mm-hmm. It's along the lines of kids don't try this at home. Yeah. You know, Jackie Chan is honest enough and modest enough to let you know, I don't nail it the first time every time.
0: He's got that aspect, but then there was also the outtake. Oh, yes. Are you okay? Jackie's always okay.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) I may fall down, I may go boom, I may even break a bone, but I always get back up and try again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His tenacity on some of that stuff is Mm -hmm. just literally unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think part of it with the Jackie is always okay is because he went down and he kind of stayed down for a moment to kind of pull himself back together and three or four of the other stump men came over to help him up with the, are you okay? So.
0: Well, and that was one where he had just tried to dive through that little opening in the, the teller window. Hadn't quite made it. It had come kind of back and then fallen off the, the that, counter. The counter onto the floor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and again, it I don't know if it looked worse than it was or whatever, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, how much of the other Jackie Chan films, non-Rush Hour and um, Shanghai or, Noon, have you seen?
1: Three or four. Um, I want to say one of them was called Tuxedo.
0: Okay, that was another american yeah. production.
1: And one of the things I loved in Tuxedo, I took our dad to see that one. One of the things he and I both loved in that one was he had like this tuxedo costume, and when he's in it, he's a super spy.
0: Well, he had like James Bond's tuxedo kind of a thing that granted him super spy abilities.
1: Yeah, right. But when he would go back into, I want to call it the Get Smart headquarters and stuff, there was this hook on the wall, and he would kind of catch the collar of the tuxedo on the hook. And then, which was, I want to say it, like six feet up. And he would just kind of drop straight out of it.
0: Yeah, slip sort of out of it in one shot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was just this amazing move where you're like, he can't have gotten that right every time. And sure enough, in the outtakes, there were a few where he's like dangling from the wall type thing.
0: If you haven't seen Rumble in the Bronx, to me, that was one of the first ones I've seen. It was just incredible. Uh, First Strike. He does a fight scene on stilts. See, to me,
1: the the very concept of that is amazing.
0: He does another one using like a 10 or 12 foot metal full, uh, you know ladder mm. as if it's a fighting staff.
1: Well, I saw one that I thought was one of his Chinese ones that seemed to be kind of about him spending the day babysitting a kid.
0: Uh, he did another one on that. Actually, um, I don't think I've seen that one yet. I think you may have gotten it for me, though.
1: I, I remember watching at least part of it, and I remember thinking, that doesn't sound like much of a plot to a movie, but I remember being enormously entertained by it.
0: Uh, he's got another one where he's a chef. There's some where, the, again, the, the, the back-of-the-box plot doesn't seem like much, but it's just enough to string some just literally insane action sequences together. Mm-hmm. At some point, we'll have to go through a lot more of his films because, uh, again, the action, the stunt work, the choreography is amazing. The way they film some of it mm-hmm. because he tends to do fairly long takes, and that was pretty evident in this film, too. It was
1: well, like in the ba- bamboo uh, scaffolding scene.
0: I mean, in a lot of American films, in action films, it's cut, 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 cut,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: whereas Jackie Chan tends to like a Stay on the action, get the, the fluidity of it. Now, obviously, in this kind of a film, Brett Radner was the director, so there are going to be a lot more cuts than Jackie would have had. And there's a certain necessity of cuts in his action sequences simply because when he's doing the let me flip up, let me bounce back, sometimes it takes a few times. So you got yes. to cut to get that.
1: Well, and it's interesting because clearly, even when he's an actor, he's thinking about all aspects of the film and in one of the outtakes uh chris tucker's cell phone rings Mm -hmm. and jackie is giving him basically crap about hey what are you doing with your phone on on set and he's like go ahead answer it you know chris takes a call he's like i'm filming with jackie you need to call me back after i wrap at seven et et cetera he's like no, you can't talk to Jackie. Well, he ends up handing the phone to Jackie. And Jackie goes, we're filming. You need to hang up. And hands it back. But then he gives Chris the whole, you're wasting film.
0: Actually, I thought he told that to the person on the phone. You're wasting our film. You're yeah.
1: Yeah. And I thought, you know, that is one of those highly responsible comments of somebody who's sitting there thinking through the budget of the film. And the awareness of how many people are sitting here waiting and spending time on set.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, because of his role in his other films, he's acutely aware mm-hmm. of the financial ramifications of, okay, you, you got to redo the shot, mm-hmm. you got to reset up for it, maybe you've got to put that plate glass back or whatever. Um, and he's had some films that stopped production for like nine months as he recovered
1: well, there are some productions that don't even develop all the film they shoot because developing costs money. Yeah. So they only develop what they know is good film that will be needed for editing.
0: I mean, that makes sense. I'm kind of glad that in some respects we're in a more digital age where mm-hmm. you don't have that kind of cost or whatever, mm-hmm. just because it gives you more to, to kind of play with.
1: Yeah. Well, and then going back to this was 2001.
0: Yeah. Again, um, the cell phone that, that Chris Tucker had fit in his pocket, but was not anywhere near as slimline as what we have today. It was, you know, clamshell kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. But again, that shows just the, the, the telecommunications advance between 1998
1: and 2001. Yeah. Well, and back at that point in production, if you wanted to see if something came out promptly, you needed a second person other than your actual director of photography and your film camera videotaping it mm-hmm. nearby and hopefully with a somewhat similar angle.
0: Similar angle, zoom in, that kind of a stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, this was a, a good film. It was a good follow up sequel. My understanding is this was the most profitable mm. of the, the trilogy. Interesting. Um, I believe Chris Tucker got a significant pay raise on this.
1: Yeah. Well, and he's hilarious in both films.
0: Well, and there's about a nine-year period where the only films Chris Tucker did were these three Rush Hour ones.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, part of me can see it because he's so funny in these. And I can see him looking at other scripts and just going, but that doesn't look like as much fun. There was at least one scene where I pointed out to you that smile on Jackie Chan's face Mm. looks like he was just having so much fun with Chris Tucker just doing his thing next to him. Yeah. And it was clear that he was happy his character was supposed to be laughing because if he was supposed to be keeping a straight face or being annoyed, he probably couldn't
0: have. Well, again, the two work well together. And it's interesting because I think also – Jackie and Owen Wilson in the Shanghai Night, mm-hmm. Shanghai Noon, Shanghai, whatever the other one was, mm-hmm. had a similar good chemistry. Yeah. It would be fun to see Owen Wilson and Chris Tucker do a film kind of, you know, we got to go find our missing, you know. Yes. Missing guy. Um, but it was, uh, it, it's one where I think finding the right vehicle for Jackie Chan in an American film can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be able to do all of the, the stunt stuff that he would do in a Hong Kong film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you need a little bit of something else to fill that, that gap in. And there's more of an expectation uh, with American films of plot, characterization, comedy. You know, yeah. Not that Jackie doesn't deliver that in his. But again, if you're going with you know a 90-minute film and you've got 70 minutes of you've got to be kidding me stunts. Yeah. Okay, you need 20 minutes of plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. plot beyond the, the fight scenes. Whereas here you get a couple of major set pieces for the action, but a lot more kind of plot as connective uh, material. Yeah. And That's just a uh, difference in in audience expectations around the world. Yeah. But the, the two leads here play well together.
1: Well, and I would say that the two categories of film, they're also different genres.
0: Absolutely. This is a buddy cop film. The other is strictly a martial arts film. Yeah. Um. And neither is better or worse than the other. They're just different things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now, they never clarify how much time has elapsed between the two films.
1: Well, he's on the vacation in he's Hong Kong. He's on
0: a vacation.
1: Okay, I'll give Either you Either
0: it's just been a few days and this is yeah. the flight they took out.
1: That's what it seemed like to me.
0: Or it's a few years later, it's just unclear.
1: It seems like that because he said, uh, when Han promised me this vacation. That was one line that was just kind of thrown in with the dialogue.
0: I didn't catch that.
1: Yeah, there was one point when he said, when Han promised me this vacation, he didn't tell me you'd be working the whole time.
0: I thought it was when I came on this vacation. Mm,
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: But either way, um, I do think we see Han in the next film. Interesting. Now, with this film, the only part I had really remembered from originally seeing it was part of the action sequence in the casino with the bomb, the trigger, that was about it.
1: I remembered uh, the cashier cage dive through because that's just, to me, so iconic and classic. Only Jackie Chan, in my opinion, could do that. He just slides through that small space and makes it look easy. Yeah, And then the outtakes prove (laughs) it's him. Um, and I remembered the uh, the bamboo uh, scaffolding uh, climb and stuff just because I don't know many people that would shimmy up that and do that.
0: It's funny because while that's a little bit of a signature kind of a Jackie Chan move or whatever, to me it's – I don't want to say a watered-down version.
1: Oh, I get what you're saying. It's an Americanized version of what he would do for a Hong Kong film. But it's still just an incredible
0: sequence. I mean, one of the things that got me to see Rumble in the Bronx was in the trailer for it, he runs up against the corner of two buildings, kind of leaps to the one on the right, bounces off it to the one on the left, up to the one on the right, and he's on the roof or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, just a little boom, 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 and he's gone like that. Yeah. Um, and another one where in, again, that same trailer he's like on a street, he's just gotten hit or whatever, car stops, are you okay? And he's like, no, and then runches off. whatever. <laughs> it's like, I just, you know. Yeah. He's yeah. got a, he's impervious, but gets pretty banged up. Yeah. Whereas here we get some of that, but none of the, wait a sec, I've got to rewind, and how did he do that? Yes. Because there are a couple of times in some of his other films, but the, again, there are things he can do. When he's directing, when he's the guy in charge, and not answerable to an insurance company. Yeah. Whereas here, again, amazing fight sequences and such. But, well, again, in in the first one, when he's walking across the pipes or whatever, way up in the ceiling and stuff, that was just absolutely nuts. One slip, a sneeze at the wrong time. So true. You know, whereas this didn't have quite as much of that sort of yeah of thing. Um, he's, I mean, Bruce Lee was a legend in his time for martial arts. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and Jackie was one of the people that was going to be kind of a successor. But he was smart and he realized, let's go more comedic. Let's not be the next Bruce Lee. Let's be the first Jackie Chan. Oh, exactly. And at some point, we're going to have some action star that is the next of that caliber. Yeah. We've had a lot of really good action stars, but both of those guys were just uh, a level above. Bruce Lee in the, the just the martial arts aspect, mm-hmm. Jackie in, again, the, the acrobatic, the fluidity, the movement, the 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 almost comedic martial art aspect. Yeah. Um, not to take anything away from his martial arts prowess, he's, again, amazing.
1: Not at all, but he's doing two things really well.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for that next guy who does things that again has that fluidity has that surely that must have been a special effect. Oh wait, it wasn't. Wow. Yeah. You know. Um and again, the the partnering with with Chris Tucker who, you know, again, this was a role that was offered to Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know, he did uh Holy Man or whatever bomb he did in place of this. I've got to imagine Eddie Murphy regrets that. But Chris Tucker can Made anchor his, his own. own movie. Oh yeah. You he- know, it's good to have a foil for him, but you could have had almost anybody else's the foil and it'd been okay. Yeah. Um one or two familiar faces in this. Um the uh guy at the uh the casino. Yes. From um
1: Warehouse? Warehouse.
0: Thir- yeah. I'm blanking on the actor's name. So am I. Saul Rubenstein.
1: There you go yes
0: um great great role for him not a major role but it's just oh crap i've i've upset this guy and he's not gonna let it go yes well
1: and at one point he's covering his face with the oh my what is going on here and you just have to wonder what was actually on the script page for chris tucker with the go to the craps table and be a distraction
0: it's probably about all they needed (laughs) yeah Yeah, there are a couple of movies, and this is definitely one, where you know there's a lot of ad-libbing. Seeing what the original script was would be be fun. Um, This one ends with them uh, ostensibly going off to New York.
1: To some square garden that Jackie Chan (laughs) found really hard to talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he tripped over the Madison Square Garden a couple of times.
1: I love the outtakes.
0: Again, signature thing. Um,
1: Definitely watch the closing credits for the outtakes.
0: What I liked was it was balanced between stunts gone not so smoothly and uh, dialogue gone not so smoothly.
1: Yeah, and equal on both parties, both Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan.
0: I I do think my favorite of the outtakes, though, was when they're in the uh, Chinese soul food restaurant (laughs) and- Chris Tucker is referring to Jackie as Jackie versus Inspector Lee, and John, Don Cheadle just basically chews him out. Yes.
1: Well, and one of the outtakes when he does the Jackie blah blah blah, there's a voice off screen that just calls out, Jackie again.
0: Well, at one point they're outside the hotel room about to kick it in. It's like, Jackie, do this. He's like, Chris Tucker, you know? <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: That kind of goes towards, I don't think Chris Tucker is a method actor. (laughs) You know, he knows Jackie is Jackie, which, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, and he was having a great time. Yeah. I think they both were having a great time.
0: I think so. It seemed like from the outtakes and everything that they play well together. They enjoy doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think Jackie Chan would do another film with somebody he disliked working with. He is such a, a high-caliber star. hmm I mean, in the, the Hong Kong neck of the world and, you know, other parts non-U.S. in the world, he's, like, about as high as you can get. Yeah. Um. There's rumor of a fourth Rush Hour film.
1: Interesting.
0: Uh, I don't th- think Brett Ratner is going to direct, but it's just rumor from all I've heard. Jackie's uh, stand seems to be, if it's a good script, mm. Chris Tucker's like, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, well... Again,
0: Chris Tucker doesn't have the body of work.
1: Well, but also if he has even half as much fun making them as it looks like, I can see where he'd want to do another one.
0: Oh, yeah. Although I think Chris Tucker's answer should be along the lines of if you can get Jackie. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Because doing it without him. Yeah. You could, but you'd have to get somebody really good. And again, that's going to be the challenge with the TV series. Agreed. Can they get people of the same caliber? And if the pilot more or less recreates the first movie, do they pull plot elements from this film into the series? Do they not? Mm -hmm. How much of it is they're taking the premise versus they're following either on from the trilogy or redoing? Yeah. And neither is a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. Exactly. So I thought this was a lot of fun. It was a good entertaining film. Is it the the highlight of movie writing? No. Is it the highlight of action films? No. Again, Jackie Chan gives a lot of other competition in that area, but it's a very entertaining, very fun uh, movie. It's well worth watching. I agree. Um, And I'm looking forward to rewatching the next one. Agreed. So shall we do that? Yes, please. So we have just finished watching Rush Hour 3. Three. This one was from 2007.
1: Mm-hmm. Though so it so, takes place three years after
0: Rush Hour 2. Which means Rush Hour 2 could have taken that many years after, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. if, if it was a real-time-ish thing. And certainly, that kind of does place when Rush Hour 2 happened because um, the daughter of Consul and now Ambassador Han is now, what, uh... 20? 18, 20, somewhere in yeah. there. Versus the 10 or whatever she was. Mm-hmm. So it gives almost a real-time progression, although it was a different actress. Yes. And this one was okay, but I thought the, the one originally um, just had better material to work with and did a better job. But it's easier being a, a cute 10-year-old mm-hmm. than uh, the, when, the, the how the character progressed.
1: Well, the, the younger one had just that chemistry mm-hmm. with both uh, Jackie and uh, Chris Tucker, whereas this one, like you said, she had so little in the script to work from. It was kind of hard to capture that same thing. Yeah. And some of what her character goes through here is the same as what happens to her character there.
0: She's pretty much just the victim yeah. of the, the movie. Well, and again, another sequel. So there are going to be certain plot points that are are uh, consistent throughout, we'll say.
1: Well, I I love that one of Chris Tucker's lines in every movie is, Lee, I'm coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Both of I mean, a lot of this takes place in Paris, so there was the opportunity of both of them being the fish out of water. But I never really felt they did a whole lot with that. No. And you've got the, the rich white guy kind of a thing is one of the bad guys. This is yet another movie where one of the, the main bad guys falls to his death.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we get some really good fight scenes. The one at the Eiffel Tower, reminiscent of the stuff at the top of the expo in the first film.
1: Mm-hmm. And amazingly done.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They just did some some great stuff. I would have liked if when they had fallen into the net and kind of sprung up, they had done a little bit of they land, they go up, they sword fight a little, they land, mm. they go up. They, you know, kind of yeah. a trampoline fight scene. Yeah. Um, the guy they had playing Kenji, I thought, did a good job.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Chris Tucker deserves major kudos for his part in the rescue of Sue Young. Not to say he wasn't doing great in his fight scene in that restaurant, uh, but his leap for the rope. His leap for the
0: rope was good. I thought the fight scene in the Eiffel Tower restaurant that Chris Tucker did, absolutely amazing. It's Oh,
1: definitely. He brought it there, but when he when she is hanging from the rope... The other end that's securing her gets thrown, Mm -hmm. and she starts to fall.
0: Oh, he he, just dives for it, doesn't think about it.
1: Yeah, and then he is the counterweight, and he catches her and brings her in a swing back to get the bad guy. It was just beautifully done. To me, it screams of Jackie worked with him on the the timing, and... It was just a back in Rush Hour one. You couldn't have imagined Chris Tucker bringing it to do that.
0: I'm curious how Chris Tucker spent a lot of his time, starting from when he was first cast from Rush Hour through the various films through this one, how much of it was working out uh, and just embracing some of the Jackie Chan school of, of kind of martial arts films or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because again, the progression of he was in the fight scenes but kind of scurrying away whatever in the first to he's an active participant in the second and here he has his own fight scene. Yeah. And really as you know I don't think of of Chris Tucker as an action hero but he held his own.
1: When in the first movie he came across more as someone who probably had a dance background and a sense of motion and his body and Mm -hmm. fluidity and by the third movie he's he understands how to use that in the fight scenes.
0: Absolutely. And there were, again, even in the the fight scenes, callbacks to earlier films. Mm-hmm. When one of the the guns lands on the, the flag or whatever it was in the tower and they kind of flip it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, we'd seen that in both of the other films.
1: Well, and this one had a a chair with the round... Uh, back if you Mm -hmm. will and uh, Jackie does the roll in the chair which he did the massage parlor and I just love the way he uses furniture like that
0: no he does a a really good job again that's a signature aspect and there's a part of it that in Chris Tucker's fight scene again same choreography so it's got some of those same elements Mm -hmm. but one of the things this film also does earlier in it is it shows because the two get into a fight and they split up and Jackie Chan's character Inspector Lee is ordering um I forget a sweet potato pie or something well, like that let's
1: rephrase that they get into a disagreement with one another they yell and at split each other up. and say well, things are- I guess my point is fight as yes, a not physical martial point. arts fight
0: <laughs> they, they yell at each other and, and take a break for a little bit but while Lee is having kind of the soul food stuff Chris mm-hmm. Tucker's out in in Paris having Mushu, Mushu you know, uh, listening to a Parisian street performer sing the Beach Boys, and it's all the stuff that Jackie Chan's character brought to his character, mm-hmm. and how they've rubbed off on each other over the years.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I thought that was really well shown. Now, if you hadn't seen the previous films, you'd be like, "Why is he listening to this this you know street performer singing the Beach Boys?"
1: Yeah. That one wouldn't make as much sense, but the fact that the Chinese guy from Hong Kong was ordering the American
0: food. Yes, the food was a clear aspect of that. You know, I liked how we start with Chris Tucker's character, uh, James Carter, directing traffic. He's been busted down. And when it comes time for the, here's the, you know, the mission of the movie, if you will, Mm -hmm. that they don't get assigned the inspector or the the chief of you know his boss from the first film
1: yeah
0: is basically saying you've done this you've done this you've done this I'm never promoting you back up kind of a
1: mm-hmm. thing I love the way he was directing traffic
0: oh yeah just the dance moves all of that yeah um and again that's the 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 aspect that chris Tucker really brings to these films
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know just kind of an almost over the top um dance performance you know and just out there aspect of the character yeah and that's going to be something that in the tv series do they try to replicate that do they go a different direction with that character Mm -hmm. which would make sense because if they try to have james carter be this kind of a james carter yes it's like well it's just a watered down chris tucker potentially
1: well and it's hard because this james carter is a very happy-go-lucky I don't want to say carefree, but just a enjoying life. And as He's you very said, much over in the, the moment. Top, yeah. But what we saw in this movie, which was a, a growth of character from the previous movies, was when he heard on the radio that the Chinese ambassador had been shot, mm-hmm. he knew without a moment's hesitation, Lee was there. Chinese ambassador's been shot. Lee's got to be chasing the shooter. And he confiscates the car on the scene and goes rushing to aid Lee.
0: Well, it's Lee is there. There's trouble. He's got Lee's back.
1: Yeah. And he's not as self-centric as he was in the previous movies.
0: No. um, I mean, certainly there's... Aspects of that still in the character.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. But
0: he is trying to be a little bit more. I mean, a lot of this film, he's there to support Lee, Mm -hmm. whether Lee wants it or not. Yeah. There's a very selfless aspect to James Carter in this film Mm -hmm. that's diametrically opposed to the first film, um, where it was just all about hitting the big time for him with the FBI and
1: stuff. He's become a better person for knowing Lee. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's something I really like about the three scripts and the way the movies progress his character.
0: Well, and it's shown what a profound impact having met Lee and worked with Lee has had on his life. Mm-hmm. He studied Chinese. He studied some of the martial arts. He's embracing Lee's culture. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, you know, some fun aspects. And it changes up the dynamic a bit. Yeah. The fight scene at the, uh, the dojo. With the really huge guy.
1: I meant to look him up because I have this nagging feeling he's like a basketball player or something.
0: I think he is. Yeah. And the idea was to essentially recreate the scene with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bruce Lee from- Uh, I forget if it was Enter the Dragon or which one of Bruce Lee's movies it was. Where at one point the guy just kind of plops his hand on um, Bruce's head and, you know, got a larger arm span or whatever, wingspan. Yeah. Well,
1: um, and again we had the who's on first scene. Yes. And
0: We're- that's kind of a fun both who's on first homage, but also the language differences.
1: Exactly. And Chris Tucker does it so well.
0: Yeah. Um which is surprising given what problems he seems to have with dialogue at times.
1: Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, he has a real problem with the the mandatory scripted
0: words. Well, and particularly ones that can be a bit of a tongue twister or something. Yeah. With this, I think he got immediately the humor in. Mm -hmm. That's just he could improv on that. Yeah. You know, six ways to Sunday. Um,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, it's not like there's specific dialogue for the who's on first kind of a routine. Right.
1: Versus the El Pollo Loco. In the outtakes was something that tripped him up. And I loved Jackie Chan's in the outtakes saying uh, that Secret Service combines to make seafood.
0: (laughs) Well, with the El Pollo Loco, I don't know what part of the country uh, Chris Tucker is from and what part of the country El Pollo Loco is in.
1: Very true, very true. And well, we grew up in a border city, so we grew up around a lot of Spanish and hearing yes. things like that a lot. And I can see where if you grew up like in Montana, you might not or hear a lot Atlanta, of Atlanta or yeah,
0: you know half a dozen other places, New York or whatever, yeah, some of it I think is regional. What got me with the Opoyo loco was they were going specifically for that line. Yeah. I mean, she could have worked at Taco Bell, McDonald's. It really wouldn't have mattered, Mm -hmm. aside from maybe, I don't know, product placement.
1: I did wonder about that as we were watching the outtakes, and it was very much. But then there was one line in the movie where I actually called out to you, do you think they made him say that because of one of the previous movies? It was the gefilce
0: fish. Yes. I, I definitely I think that was tossed in because he had such a hard time with it. And either he could finally do it. Yes. Or they wanted to, to you know, give him a hard time with that. What was funny was when they showed the outtakes of the scene, because all of that's taking place in the airplane. They've got the one shot, you've got Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, Isle, and then Girl on the other and she I think is spending a lot of effort trying not to It's
1: hard. Mm -hmm. Having been the person who was supposed to be leaned up against a wall looking at things in a file folder as two actors walked by me to go out of camera for a scene in a television show and they were going to call cut right after they walked past me. And so they were just supposed to be saying nonsense jokes to one another as they passed me. They knew the camera was going to cut right as they went past me. So they started saying the most outrageous jokes possible to see if they could make me laugh as Mm -hmm. they went past me. And it's hard to focus on a blank sheet of paper as if it's the most fascinating document you've ever read. When people are saying, yeah, we got a six-month-old baby here and it needs food. Let's go buy some cheeseburgers and Jello."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and particularly for something that they have to do take after take after take on. Yeah. Because, again, that scene in the airplane wasn't that long, but Jackie was having problems with a few of the lines. Uh, Chris Tucker was having problems with a few of the lines. Uh, obviously, the people calling him out off screen were not. <laughs> yes. yes. But uh, I think in both cases, you could argue, argue the language barrier there. Um,
1: well, I liked in one of the outtakes where uh, Chris Tucker was clearly worried about the stuntman he was doing the fighting with and the way he'd gone down because the moment he pulls back from the fake hit, he's like, hey, man, you okay? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like, um. Yeah. I, I think Chris Tucker had to have learned a lot about just stunt scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, again, wanting to be respectful of these guys who could no doubt, you know, kick his tail six ways to sunday
1: well the fight scene in the hospital uh the way it ended up with uh, jackie chan uh, sliding down i guess a rolling cart to put the uh ammo cartridge Mm -hmm. into the gun So that Chris Tucker could then fire off the weapon and they end up basically in a hand clasp of, hey, way to go. We did great. And Jackie Chan just kind of pulls on his arm to spin Chris Tucker around so he can stand up and then help Jackie stand up. And that's just one of those touches that Jackie Chan seems to throw in of you can always spin someone around, help them stand up, that kind of thing.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that because it's been a while since I've watched Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights with, uh, with Owen Wilson. And I don't recall them having that kind of aspect, whereas there's a... A choreography uh, uh, in the fights and the aftermath, or whatever, and even just the dance off at the end of some of the movies, yeah, between you know uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, where they're very much in sync, they're they're getting along, and again when they, because again I think it was the the restaurant fight in the first movie where there's a back and forth they're spinning each other around as they punch they do it again mm-hmm. kind of a thing mm-hmm. well and in they're they're in sync in more
1: than one fight you know they they twist one another around they each hit someone and then chris tucker will lean over jackie chan will roll over his back to then hit someone as Chris Tucker stands back up to hit someone.
0: Well, and then they'll end it with a high five or something like that. Yeah. There's a dance aspect to that choreography mm-hmm. that they do beautifully. Yeah. And I expect that out of Jackie Chan and just the the level at which Chris Tucker does that mm-hmm. you know, improves with each movie. And it shows that while these guys are incredibly different both as actors and characters – they're on the same page. Yeah. And uh, I've heard, again, rumors about a fourth film or whatever. And sure, it's been another 10 years since the film or whatever almost. But I would certainly be interested in watching it because these two work so well together.
1: hmm Yeah. Well, and it's funny because towards the end of this movie, and it may have been actually, it was at the point where uh, they were ordering each other's favorite foods. hmm And I just suddenly realized, you know... We are currently at a point where we're hearing hashtag Oscars so white and, hey, there's a lack of diversity in Hollywood and, quote, there always has been, end quote. And I'm looking at this movie going, no, there hasn't, quote, always been a lack of diversity. All
0: three of these films have featured a black guy, an Asian guy, Mm -hmm. ethnic women. Yeah. And the lead white guys. Or the villain.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And we're getting aspects of Chinese culture, uh, black American culture, mm-hmm. um, French culture in this one.
1: We're getting characters who are making an effort to understand one another's cultures and learn from one another's cultures. And these were popular movies, and these are movies that are still incredibly enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. you know, years later, which to me is a sign that they hold up well over time.
0: Definitely they do. They don't feel um, as dated as they could given when they were produced. I mean, 10 years doesn't seem like that long, but the first one was nearly 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And their aspects were just visually it looks a little old in terms of just literally the film yeah. footage kind of, of photography or whatever versus the crisp new DVD sort of – and maybe if I had these on DVD, or I mean Blu-ray, Blu-ray versus DVD, yeah, I wouldn't feel that way or whatever. But there's also – a timelessness to it. Yeah. That because they're I don't want to say iconic characters, but archetypal characters. Yeah. The unflappable Asian and the Uber flappable, you know, yes. uh Chris Tucker character. Yeah. I mean, he just is so um
1: well in some re- ways reactive. In some ways they're an
0: odd couple. Oh absolutely. It's a buddy cop and a mismatch one. Mm-hmm. But what I think made it work with Chris Tucker that I don't think would have worked with Eddie Murphy, Will Smith, or any of the other half dozen people I've heard might have gotten that role, is Chris Tucker can do this wide-eyed kind of a look. Mm -hmm. And he's got such white eyes and such a dark face. There's almost a comedic aspect to that. And just the exaggerated look of surprise, of shock, of, Mm -hmm. you know, there is... An incredible almost lack of subtlety there. But there is some subtlety there.
1: Well, and it's funny because at times Jackie Chan is doing this very savvy detective who's also very naive about aspects of the world. And one of the outtakes I found hilarious was uh, he was supposed to suggest, what, do we loosen her up by showing her an adult movie? And they gave him seven or eight examples of adult movies and Chris Tucker's just looking at him like, where did you get this from? And he's like, I don't know. The director's corrupting me.
0: Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what this one means.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Well, it's funny because, you know, Jackie Chan is playing, again, the the mature uh, chief inspector kind of a, a character that's that's worldly, that's businesslike. Mm-hmm. While the, the the James Carter character is an, a very Wonderful mix of juvenile to childish mm-hmm. to wanting to, to be that suave James Bond type. Yeah. And there are times where he actually pulls off a little of that. But, oh, wait, it's still him.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, there is a naive innocence almost in a bizarre way to the the James Carter character in a very different way than we get it with the Inspector Lee. Mm-hmm. Both of them have fought crime, seen the bad parts of of humanity, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet remain true to kind of who they are, and are good people. Yeah. Even if there are maybe some more base instincts or whatever with with Carter than with Lee. Yes. So again, if they do another film like like this stuff, I, I would certainly be all for it. Um, I was surprised again the other day when we looked at the IMDb page for Chris Tucker. Frankly, how short it is. Me too. I mean, he's very talented. Now, I think he may spend a lot of time doing stand-up comedy or something like that. That could be. He's more of, I think, a comedian than a movie star, although Mm -hmm. he's certainly proven his chops, both in terms of just raw comedic aspect, but again, also good acting and incredible uh, fight scenes. Yeah. So, I would almost like to see Chris Tucker, and I don't know who would be the right co-star for this, as part of an undercover team. Where this team is just really good at what they do, and for whatever reason, Chris Tucker's is, uh, character is just so we, – we can't get rid of him. He's brilliant at this. But take the aspect of Chris Tucker where he keeps messing up the lines here and there, mm-hmm. where he can not he's an undercover cop that can't remember everybody's cover.
1: Oh, yes. That would be priceless.
0: And it's like, oh, I called you Jackie Chan again. <laughs> Man. Yes. Blam, yes. blam, blam.
1: Blew it again. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: But balance that with some reason why he would still be going undercover or whatever. Yeah. That just, it seems like something he would be, be perfect at because he he can do, again, when we see him in the casinos, when we see mm-hmm. him in some of the other places, he's, I don't say got that polish.
1: The casino may be a prime example of what he excels at because sitting at the Baccarat table, he does have that. I could try being James Bond aspect Mm -hmm. to him. But then he sees Lee going off with the woman Lee thinks he's going to get info from. And he's standing outside the door entirely convinced that what's going on inside that room is probably the polar opposite of what's really going on.
0: He's hearing a fight scene and imagining (laughs) Lee's getting lucky that night. Yeah. And – what I loved was uh, when Lee finally opens the door, the dagger flies out.
1: And where it hits the portrait. Where it hits
0: the painting. And suddenly yes. Carter is, we're out of here.
1: Yes, yes. If that's what she's aiming for. Yep.
0: And again, that's the the part of the character I think is just hilarious and a lot of fun. Is he's got the bravado, mm-hmm. but he's not stupid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I l- I loved the nun
0: helping them translate. Oh, particularly the end. Yeah. Good working with you. High five, kind of a thing.
1: I loved it when she said, "I have a dictionary upstairs if it'll help."
0: Yes. When they're trying to, he used the <laughs> N word, you know, in in going with the the first letter of common profanity, or whatever, and each is misspelling. <laughs> yes. I think that one starts with a W. That one starts with an A. <laughs> yes. Both of them uh, are having problems, you know, Chan and and Tucker's characters with the English. (laughs) It's fun. Um, It's Again, it's a great franchise. It's a good series of action uh, films. It's got uh, a very strong comedic aspect to it. Mm -hmm. The plots hold together. They do. They have callbacks. It's not going to be, you know, brilliant plots or whatever. But again, it's serviceable, and that's really what you should expect from these.
1: It's a fun hour and a half.
0: You know, they've got two solid lead actors that can carry the comedy in the action very well. Mm -hmm. They've cast well, I think, in every case for the villains. Mm -hmm. The the, the female co-stars or whatever are very good. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that they pull the right elements from the franchise into the TV series. I agree. And that they change it up where they need to Mm -hmm. to make the TV series have its own identity.
1: Well, I'm hoping that the TV series is very episodic as opposed to a serialized. This doesn't need an overarching big bad for multiple seasons.
0: I agree with that. I don't want it to have the big bad, but I want it to have a serial aspect to it where it's not just done in one episodes. I'd like to have it to where it feels like if they're in L.A. or New York or wherever they are, I would assume L.A., that there's a sense of past, present, and future mm-hmm. with the bad guys. Yeah. And that you get some repeat offenders. You've got, okay, we're going after the triad or whatever. Not that they're the big bad, but they're the big threat. Yeah. And that there's a sense of progression, not necessarily escalation, mm-hmm. but just like here, time has elapsed. Han has gone from console to to ambassador. His daughter has grown up. Mm -hmm. They're still going after the triads. There's, you know, that sort of aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having something that has a strong episodic aspect, but also a strong sense of continuity and and growth and evolution to it Mm -hmm. is what I'd like. Yeah. You know, how can they get the dynamic they set up, whatever that may be between Carter and Lee and the pilot to evolve, change and grow, yet still remain true to that dynamic? Yeah. Whenever the series ends. Yeah. You know, do they go from strangers to they are essentially brothers from another mother, as was the, the dialogue here?
1: Well, and that was very well done in part because of the Kenji relationship, mm-hmm. etc. And they had some really good emotional scenes in this one. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: again, this one really underscored the bond between the two characters. Yeah. It's not just they've worked together, hey, we're friends. Carter would put down his life for Lee. Yeah. Very much what it was. Yeah. And again, that's not where Carter started.
1: And Carter was willing to put down his life for someone else because it mattered to Lee. In this case, uh, Genevieve. Mm-hmm. And again, that's major progression for the Carter character.
0: Yeah. There's less progression for Lee because there's less need for progression. Yes. You know, where he's at at the end and where he started from. Let's see, he was a well-respected, decorated, you know, police officer from Hong Kong at the beginning, middle, and end.
1: Well, but what he needed was to open to his heart.
0: Yes, he needed a life, and he started to get that through Carter. Yeah. You know, he certainly loosened up over yeah. the, the movies.
1: Yeah. He needed to be reminded that being a decorated officer is not the sole reason to exist. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. So Carter was good for him just as he was good for Carter.
0: Well, and again, that would be a good kind of plot progression or character arc in the TV series. Get a very, you know, uber cop, super cop from Hong Kong and a a guy who is a cop but is a lot more freewheeling, you know, whatever. Have the Carter character again get more serious. Have the the Lee character not get less serious but loosen up a little and Mm
1: -hmm. the two
0: balance each other out. Yeah. You know, do very much a yin and a yang kind of situation there. Yeah. Which they did here. And what I liked is while this movie really underscored the growth of the characters over the movies and stayed true to the the expected aspects, it didn't feel like a carbon copy of the other films. Yeah. Yet it didn't go so far astray that it's like this has nothing to do with the other films.
1: Yeah. Very true.
0: You know? Um. Yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, you commented earlier, I loved the way they danced off at the very end, away from the police cars, to one of the songs from the first movie. It was just very much a, we're friends, and whatever comes next, we're facing it together, and somehow we'll have fun doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've just defeated the triad, essentially. Yeah. Nothing could take them down. Yeah so again fun series of films i'm a big jackie chan fan uh i've got tons of his other films uh highly recommend virtually every one of them and uh chris tucker again did a great job here i'm really looking forward to the uh the rush hour tv series when it starts up in a couple of days so am i so anything else that That, do it that does it cool